Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Paul closes out the book of Romans by uh, talking about how we should uh, serve God in light of everything that he's done for us. As we come to the, to the very end of uh, this letter that was originally written as a letter to believers in Rome that we have in our New Testament that God uh, inspired and preserved for us to be uh, probably the most important theological uh, document in, in, in the Bible uh, when you think about doctrine. But he more or less, I think, closes out telling us that we ought to be servants in praise. That you and I who know Christ ought to serve God, but one way we can do that is, is through our praise. We've been in, in the book of Romans for a year now, going verse by verse. So I hope as we come to the conclusion of this book, I hope you have some reasons for, for praise and, and being thankful. I hope it's not just because, wow, the book's over with. We're tired of Romans. I hope that's not why. Because Romans got some very important stuff. And I know it's been a long series. It took us a year to go through it. But I, I, I do say this. I, I do think that believers, us having an understanding of all the great doctrines and the promises that God gives us in the book of Romans. That's why we ought to break forth in praise. And, and that's kind of what Paul does at the end of, of this book. Uh, a lot of times we think of praise as being, you know, praise music. We even call it that. And, and that is a form of praise, but praise is a lot more than just songs. And, and I hope you'll understand that as we finish the book of Romans today. I want you to know there's kind of two main things today, and I've kind of already gave you my main outline a few moments ago. But, but first of all, we ought to praise God like this. You ought to praise God with your life, with your life. More than just singing songs, more than just saying words, you should praise God with your life. Paul started out chapter 16 with a list of names. And then he kind of took a hiatus from talking about the names and he told us to be on guard against people that want to cause divisions or people that create obstacles to the doctrine that he taught, obstacles to what the gospel really is. And then he returns to some names, which to be honest with you, I think is perfectly fitting since he is telling us that we ought to be servants. So he kind of closes out this last chapter in Romans by giving us a lot of names. Like I said, he's already given us a list, and now he returns, and he he gives us another list. He says, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and and Jason, and so is Peter, my kinsman. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother... Quartus greet you. Now, depending on the translation that you have, 
Uh, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, but uh, some translations have a verse 24 and some don't. And, and there's nothing to get uh, weirded out about uh, with that just in, in, in the process of, of it being translated. Some of the original documents have this statement, some don't. But since some do, I added in, wanted to read it to you, because in verse 24 it would say this, depending on the translation of the Bible that you have, the, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And in those verses, I want you to notice some reasons why I think that we, we ought to praise God with our lives. First of all, this list of names that he gives us, it should, should be an example for us. That we ought to praise God with more than just words, more than just songs, but also with our lives. All those names that we just look at. Some we know more about, some we don't know a lot about. But that list of names serves as an example of people who, who praised God with their life, with what they did in following Jesus and serving him. The first name was Timothy. Paul calls him my fellow worker. And you can find out a good bit about Timothy because he went on the second missionary journey uh, with Paul. His name pops up uh, all through the New Testament. There are actually uh, two epistles in the New Testament, two books in the Bible that come from letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. So we can find out a whole lot more uh, about Timothy than you can some of the other names. But I want you to notice what Paul wrote about Timothy when he was writing to some believers at Philippi. Because in Philippians, he, he says this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. In other words, I'm going to send Timothy to see you and Timothy can come back and kind of tell me how you're doing. But look what he says next. And, and I kind of bolded some of it and underlined it just where it stick out for you. For I have no one like him who would generally be concerned for your welfare. Now, now think about that for a moment. First of all, it's the Apostle Paul that's writing it, who God used to write more of the New Testament than anyone else and plant churches all over Asia Minor. That Apostle Paul writes to another group of believers, and he's saying, I don't have anybody like Timothy that I can send to you. That's a pretty tremendous statement, isn't it? Add to it that it is being divinely inspired it is the word of God, and it would be recorded for all history that Timothy is the type of servant that had learned underneath Paul to be this church planting preacher, this young whippersnapper preacher that, that Paul had been, been trained in. And Paul says this about Timothy. I don't have anyone like him that would be as concerned for you as Timothy. Man, isn't that an amazing statement? You know, wouldn't it be great if, if, if somehow statements could be made like that about our lives? And then he goes on and he says, they all, talking about some others, seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But then he says this, but, but you know Timothy's proven worth. And in other words, Timothy had proven himself to Paul as being almost like a, a son to him and, and spreading the gospel and serving with him. He had proven himself. You've got the Apostle Paul commending Timothy like that. In, in those two uh, letters that, that's written, First and Second Timothy, uh, really we, we know a lot about how we operate the church because of those two letters. 
uh, that, that was written. A lot about deacons and pastors and things like that. Imagine me, Timothy, and, and Paul has sent you this letter, and you're reading through this letter. There comes a point in Timothy where Paul writes these words to Timothy. Oh, thou man of God. Can you imagine maybe the way that made Timothy feel when the Apostle Paul, writing to Timothy, writes these words, Oh, thou man of God. God serves as an example for us as serving God, praising God with our lives. There are other names that are mentioned that we don't know uh, a lot about. Uh, Lucius was just a kinsman. It doesn't mean he was really uh, Paul's family member, but it means he was Jewish and, uh, and also a believer. Uh, we have other names here that we know a little bit more about. Jason, who was also a, a Jewish believer. But we find this about Jason in the book of Acts. It said, but the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble. They formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason. So right there, we're told that this Jason that he writes about had served God in such a way that it was making this group mad so much that they attacked his house, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. So in other words, they thought Jason's housing somebody there that's really being used by God to spread the gospel. They were upset about it. They're going in trying to find them. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, look what was said. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people in the city and the authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Here's an individual that was, was serving God in such a way that he put his own life at risk by hiding people who had been spreading the gospel, people who, by the way, were turning the world upside down with this message. Somebody else is king, not Caesar. There's another king, and his name is Jesus. That was a great message they had and, and a wonderful thing that they were doing in turning the world upside down. And Jason was willing to put his own life at risk to help support them. That ought to encourage us and teach us how we ought to praise God with our lives, not just with our words that we say. We're also told about some other individuals. Sosa Peter is uh, just another Jewish believer. Aren't you glad they got better with names on the way down? How would you like to be tagged with that one, huh? All through school, growing up, the teacher called on Sosa Peter. I mean, maybe that's the Greek equivalent of the redneck uh, calling their child Tater or something. I don't know. But we don't know that much about him. Tertius or Tertius, depending on the translation that, that you're reading, who, he's the one that, that wrote the letter. In other words, he's being Paul's secretary. Paul is dictating this letter that became the book of Romans to him, and he's writing it down and recording it. 
I, I thought about that this week when I studied for the message. I thought, man, can you imagine being him? And the apostle Paul is there dictating this great body of truth, of doctrine that we call Romans. Can you imagine being the one hearing it for the first time and writing it all down? I mean, if it were me, there'd be times that I'd kind of, it would took Paul a time to write the letter. I'll be honest with you, because I would kind of say, whoa, you know, Paul, tell me a little bit more about that. Huh? All this about grace and salvation by, by faith. And, and he sat there and he wrote all of it down. Gaius, he said, who was a host to me into the whole church. So, so Gaius was allowing Paul to stay with him at the time he was writing this letter. And he was also allowing a church to meet in his home. In Acts, we're told this. So the city was filled with the confusion. And they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and others who were Paul's companions in travel. Once again, it it ought to teach us a little bit as we read these names and things that we can discover about them. How you and I ought to understand that praising God involves more than just our words. It involves our life. I'm afraid we don't get that a lot of times in our culture because we live in a nation that, at least right now, we're free to worship. Who knows what might come down the pike eventually, but we're free to worship. And we're free to spread the name of Jesus. But but, but these people here, at the risk of their own lives, we're doing it. It ought to teach us some things about how we, we need to serve. Paul also wrote this in Corinthians. I thank God that I baptized none of you except uh, Crispus and Gaius. And here's why. Some were starting to dis- split up and divide in the church. Well, Paul baptized me, or I'm of this one, or I'm of that one. Paul said, I'm glad I didn't baptize but a couple of you. See, you can't go out and form your own denomination, the Paul baptized, you know, or something. He talked about Erastus, who was a city treasurer. History tells us that there's a paving stone going into the city with his name on it, giving him honor. So he was a very important person in the government, and yet the gospel had reached him. And then he, he kind of closed by mentioning this name, Quartus. And the only thing he says about him is, our, our brother Quartus greets you. And just maybe we can draw from that this thought. There's not really any such thing as big eyes and little use when it comes to serving God. When it comes to names being called and names being mentioned. Because the only thing you said about Quartus is just this. He's a brother. And you know that's great because you see the truth of the matter is everybody can't be a Paul. You understand that? Everybody can't be a Billy Graham. Everybody might not be called to go on a mission trip to Africa. Everybody may not be called upon to go to a mission trip to Guatemala. But, guess what? We can be like Quartus. We can support ministry. You understand that? You might not be the next Billy Graham, but you can support someone that's proclaiming the gospel. You can be just like Chorus was, just a, just a brother. Someone that's willing to support the ministry. And that in itself is a way that we can praise God with our lives as we give and as we support the ministry of others. We are also praising God by, by doing those things. Not only should those names be examples for us, to praise God with our lives. But this statement that Paul makes in verse 24 should motivate us to praise God with our lives also. Look at this statement. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Paul has something that, that 
Bible scholars call a grace signature. He even refers to it in 2 Thessalonians. He, he said, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. In other words, he, he dictated out many of his letters. A lot of, a lot of Bible scholars think that Paul maybe has some visual problem or something like that. So he would dictate out the letter, and then he would sign it in his own hand. Some believe probably large, so he can, can read it. But he signs it in his own hand to authenticate the letter as being from Paul. To where it's not just some, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry that's writing a letter, sending it out from Paul. So he would sign it in his own hand. And he said, this is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And he would close many of his letters with a, with a statement like that. Think for a minute how that statement, if you're a Christian, how that statement ought to motivate you to praise God with your life. He used the word grace to start with. That, that means God's divine influence. It means a lot of things. It means, you know, cheerfulness. It means, uh, you know, God being gracious to us. But theologically, it, it means this. God's divine influence upon our heart. If you know Christ is your Savior, are you not glad today that God moved upon your heart in your life? Amen? Or aren't you happy that you felt divine influence upon your heart? That's grace from God, that he would influence our hearts and give us the faith that we need to trust in Jesus. He said the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one that's supreme in authority, the name Jesus is a Greek translation of the Hebrew name that means Jehovah saved or Jehovah's salvation. The grace of the one that died on the cross and all that you might be saved. He said, be with you all. And the word that he used in the Greek for, for with means it, it denotes God's grace being with you wherever you go. Whatever situation you face, wherever you find yourself in, God's grace is there in the midst of it. It's there to accompany you. It's there as your associate or as your friend. It's there joined to you. Whatever you face in life, God's grace is there with you if you're a believer. And, and that ought to motivate us, I think, to praise God with our lives. The reality that God's grace is with us wherever we go. We, we need to praise God with our lives. Yes, we, we do it with worship music and things like that, but, but I, I'm just saying I, I think that falls short. That's not enough. We actually need to praise Him with our lives. The way we live, what we do, the way we serve Him. The example set by these names that Paul has called out. We, we need to serve God with our lives. We need, to, we need to praise Him and worship Him with our lives. Not just what we say. Not just what we sing. But at the same time, even though we are to praise Him with our lives, we are also to praise Him with our lips. Paul launches out into this doxology. Burst forth in praise at the end of this book. I think probably Paul continued writing after he put his signature in. I think he just kept writing. Because he had something to swell up in his heart that he just had to say. Now to him who's able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God 
to bring about obedience of the faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. I want you to notice three things. First of all, notice the direction of our praise. How, where should our praise be focused? What's the direction of it? Paul wrote those words, now unto who? To him, to God, to Christ. Now to him. That's what praise is about. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, because the Bible literally tells us we're to encourage each other, we're to build each other up, you know, and, and, and things like that. But we're, we're not to offer worship to each other. We're not to really praise each other. It's not about trying to get praise for ourselves or praise for someone else or give praise to someone else. All praise belongs to God. I was at a church once, and, and they were also doing contemporary uh, music, and um, I, I, I don't know, just as it kind of went on, uh, I mean, the music was good, and it was praise music, and I understand, but, but the focus of it became wrong for me, and maybe, maybe I'm just uh, got enough traditional bone in me or whatever that things like that still bother me some, but during the course of the, of the worship music, uh, uh, they had more than one person leading in worship, but every time someone would kind of uh, do a solo in the midst of the song, the person that was leading the worship would call that person's name out and, and give attention to them. And then that person would step forward and, you know, uh, show how good they could play a guitar, how good they could play something else and, and everything. And that happened several times during the worship set. And, and, and the more it happened, the less I liked it and everything. And I came back and, and, and talked with John. Not that I felt like I had to talk with John because I think I know John's heart. I don't think John would have ever done it to start with. But at the same time, I know John's not going to do it because I came back and I said, don't you ever do that. <laughs> And here's why. Our praise isn't to be pointed to some musician or someone else doing anything else, whether it's music or whatever in the church. Here's where our praise goes. Amen? That's the direction of it. It's to be unto Him. He's the one to be exalted and lifted up. If we're going to give praise with our life, it's to be to Him. If we're going to give praise with our, with our words, with our lips, it's to be to Him. Second thing I want you to notice is this. The reason for praise. The reason why we ought to give praise. Paul continues to write, after he says, Now unto him, he said, Who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of of the faith. Guys, I'm going to change it up a little bit. Just keep that up instead of going to the other slides. Just keep that up and I'm going to cover some thoughts uh, there. I want you to notice what he says. You want, you want to know why we have a reason to give praise? He says, who is able to strengthen you? God has the ability, the power, and, and the word strengthen literally means to make a stand. He, he can strengthen us as believers to where we can stand through whatever we face. And we can stand the test of judgment and we can stand for eternity because as believers, he's given us a foundation of the crucified Jesus Christ who took his life back up from the dead. We can stand because of the gospel. That's why we ought to give forth praise. 
We can stand according to the gospel in the, the preaching of Jesus Christ. We ought to give praise because his name and the gospel has been proclaimed and he still expects us to proclaim the gospel. We, we ought to give praise to him with, with our lips and with our lives because this great mystery, he said, that was kept secret for long ages now has been revealed. It's like an artist pulling the cover back and saying, here, I want you to see it in all of its glory right now. It's completely finished. The Bible had hinted about the Messiah and had given us prophecies and told us that he was coming. Now Jesus has arrived and he lived a sinless life and he went to the cross and he yelled out, it is finished before he died and bowed his head and they put him in a tomb and he took his life back up and now Paul is saying, it's all been clearly revealed. It was a mystery, but it's revealed now. And because it's revealed to us, that's a reason for us to praise him with our lives and with our lips. Because the, the gospel that once was hidden has now been disclosed. The prophecies had written about it. It once was just to the Jews, but notice this now. It has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God. God decreed. That not just the Jews, but that all nations could hear this gospel message and come to faith in Jesus. According to the command of the eternal God, look what the goal is. To bring about the obedience of the faith. To lead people to Christ. To have their lives changed for all eternity. To bring them to the point that their obedience is this. They bring themselves underneath the gospel message. That they're a sinner. They cannot save themselves. Jesus is God in the flesh who did everything necessary on the cross to purchase their salvation and through faith in him. That's the obedience to the faith. That's the goal that God has. And because that can happen, because all those things are true, we have reason give him praise with our lives and with our lips having said that can I, can I kind of ask you a question who have you been telling about Jesus who have you been trying to lead to faith in Christ His goal is that all the nations hear. His goal is that people come to faith in Jesus. And if that's God's goal and we're to be praising Jesus with our lives but also with our lips, that means we need to be telling somebody about Jesus. Who have you been telling? Or have you ever told anyone? Now, this will probably make it really solemn for a minute, but I think that's okay. I think sometimes we need to have our fun busted, you know, and, and, we, and we understand there's some serious matters that we need to deal with. If you are indeed an authentic believer and, and you're standing before Jesus one day and Jesus were to say something like this, I suffered for you on the cross, I died on the cross for you, I bled for you to pay for your sins. But can you tell me something? Why did you not tell somebody else about me? And what are you going to say? 
When the Lamb of God that died for you and suffered for you, and He's there with the wounds in His hands, and He looks at you, and He says, Why have you not been proclaiming me? Why have you not been telling other people about me? Why didn't you do that? You believed in me yourself, and now you're here in my heaven, but why didn't you tell others? What, what in the world are we going to say in that moment? See, all this stuff in, in Romans that's such great doctrinal truths that we need to know, it's all stuff that we need to apply. <laughs> it, Paul said that it had been commanded by God for all nations to hear instead of it being kept a secret. Now it's available for all nations. And, and Jesus, before he ascended, gave us a great commission and he commanded us he told us he gave us marching orders to go to all peoples everywhere and tell them and disciple them what what's our excuse going to be when when he when he asks us why haven't we done it we need to praise him with our lives we need to praise him with our lips the direction of our praise is to him the reason for our praise is because of this great gospel that he's given us. But I, I want to close by, by pointing you to the continuation of praise, the continuation of praise. And, and after I talk about this for a moment, we're, we're done, and, and things are going to be different today, or I'm done, you're not done, uh, and our band's not done, because since I'm talking about being servants in praise, we intentionally designed the service today uh, for them to do a little bit less music to start with and, and for me to do a shorter message, because since we're talking about praise, I want to give you the opportunity to do it. So in just a minute, the band's going to come back, and they're going to do like five or six songs, you know. They may get wound up and do a hundred. I don't know. But they're going to come back and do five or six songs. And during that whole time, it's an extended invitation to you. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, doing all the songs that they're going to do, I'll be sitting up here at the front. I'm not going to stand at the front all the time. I'll be sitting up here at the front. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, please come to me and, and we'll talk. Or if you recognize during this long invitation that we're about to do that, that you've not praised God like you need to with your life or with your lips, then, then maybe it'd be a good time for you to, to, to sing loud, but maybe it'd be a good time for you to come up and kneel and get on your face and say, God, I'm sorry I've not praised you with my life like I should. I'm sorry I've not praised you with my lips. I've not been telling others like I should. Because Paul makes a statement that really deals with the continuation of praise as he closes out this great book of Romans. He says, to the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Use a Greek word that we get mono from, thinking about singular. Because there's only really one God. All the other things that people have tried to make into gods are just idols, and they don't exist, and they're dumb. They're not wise. So to the only wise God, Paul writes... To the only wise God, to the only wise supreme divinity, to the only wise God be glory. We get our word doxology from the word doxa. And it simply means to be very apparent. 
Paul's saying to the only wise God, let it be very apparent how great he is forever. So you have Facebook, you ought to either visit my page and look at a sermon that I posted up. I'd seen it before, but I ran back across it this past week. It's, it's a sermon by, by Louis Giglio. And uh, if you don't have Facebook, you, know, you can go to, to YouTube and just put it in and type in. And uh, it, it's a message about uh, how great God is. And, uh, and I showed you a, a little bit of it one time uh, a couple of years back when he was talking about the, the adhesion molecule laminin that holds our cells together. Some of you were here and remember it. You know what it's shaped like? It's shaped like a cross when you see it under a microscope. But in the whole message, if you listen to the whole message, he's talking about the cosmos and all, the, all, of, all of creation, the universe, and how small our little earth is just compared to our sun. And then compared, it's like a, it's like a golf ball compared to, to 15 feet diameter. And if you take our, our earth and you compare it to the largest sun that they found so far in the universe with telescopes, it's like holding a golf ball up to Mount Everest. <laughs> We've got a great God, much more vast than we can imagine. And recently, the Hubble telescope that NASA put up, they looked into the heart of one of the, one of the biggest galaxies that are there, and they looked right into the heart of it with this telescope. Because we've never been able to see it before because of the atmosphere, but now that Hubble's up there, they looked right into the heart of it, and they found a black hole that they didn't even know existed. Can you guess what the shape of the black hole is? It's in a cross. We've got a great God that's deserving of our praise forever and ever and ever. Paul says to the only wise God, be glory forevermore. Notice how it happens. Through Jesus Christ. He's the means. He's the channel of the act. That's how glory comes to God the Father forevermore. You want to know one way that happens? When individuals come to Jesus Christ, one day we will be in heaven for all eternity, giving God glory throughout the ages. Amen? But there are people that still don't know and people who have not heard, and people who have not believed. And that's why we need to be serving God with our lives, praising Him with our lives, and praising Him with our lips, and telling other people about Jesus. C.S. Lewis made this statement once. The great thing is to be found at one's post as a child of God, living each day as though it were your last. Well, look at each day that we're here. This might be the last chance I get to impact somebody for Jesus. But at the same time, he said that you need to be planning as though the world might last for 100 years. We need to live for him now, and we need to be planning to impact the world in the future. In light of all this great body of truth called the book of Romans, you and I ought to do those things by praising God with our lives and by praising God with our lips.
If you don't know Christ as your Savior, in just a moment, the band's going to be playing several songs. Long time for you to think about eternity, but not near as long as eternity would be without Jesus. And if you're not sure that Christ is your Savior, I'm going to invite you at any point in time, as I said earlier, just to come up to where I'm at. And I think probably for a lot of us, we need to ask the question, have I really been serving God like I need to, praising Him with my life, the things that I do? Have I really been praising Him with my lips and telling others about Jesus? So that in eternity to come, the goal is this. The only wise God will have glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever by as many people as possible who have believed in Jesus. So it's not a question whether he'll have glory forever. He already has it. Amen? <laughs> but we can magnify it all the more by being there and bringing people with us. So maybe during all these songs you need to come and say, God, help me. Help me not to forget the book of Romans. See, Romans is, is finished. Our study of it for now is finished. But that doesn't mean that you need to forget about Romans because we need to remember that people are lost in sin and they can't save themselves. And that God wants to save us by His amazing grace as a free gift when we trust in Jesus as Savior. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for your majesty and for your greatness, for your wonder. We thank you for the marvelous plan of salvation that you've given us. We thank you, God, for all the great truths that you have placed through the pen of Paul in a letter to Roman believers that you've preserved for us in your Bible. It's probably the most important doctrinal body of truth we could read. Father, if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ... You tell us in your word that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. But you also tell us that we can be redeemed. We can be changed by faith in Jesus. He died on the cross for us. And by faith in him, you want to give us the amazing gift of eternal salvation. And bring us into your family. Father, if there's someone here not in your family, bring them in right now. Give them the faith they need during this time that we worship. God, challenge the rest of us to evaluate how well we've been praising you with our life, how well we've been praising you with our lips. And lead us as believers to make eternal decisions also. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.